Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. If you could open your Bibles with me this morning to uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter uh, 24. Luke 24. Let's start in verse 1. Verse 1 says, I'm going to be reading from the New King James. Luke 24, verse 1. says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Wow. Then they went in and did not, did not, did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, this one of my favorite lines, why seek ye the living among the dead? Why don't you bow your heads with me? God, today we're so thankful. God, I'm thankful and humbled by the opportunity to just to stand and share the gospel today. And God, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful that it's alive and it's well and it's all inspired by you. And God, today I pray that you would be with us, God, and I pray that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us, that every one of us would leave change today. And we quit looking for the life and the living in the dead places. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you're uh, seated, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, what have you seen? Eli, if you don't care to hit that first one. Okay, and before you guys start saying, I don't know how to spell, uh, I do know how to spell. But this analogy has been in my head for, gosh, probably a couple months. And one of the, the crazy things that, uh, about preaching and, uh, is really waiting on the Lord. And uh, it's funny because you'll hear Dad and maybe Stephen and Luke and all you other guys can attest to this that preach. There's certain things that will kind of drop into you and It'll build for a little while, and this is one that has, man, just been on my heart. And I love this verse because he's, the, the angels say to him, why do you seek the living among the dead? Verse 6 says, he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And I want to uh, preface this by saying this isn't going to be like a hyper faith kind of message where uh, you name it, claim it kind of thing. Like if you have enough faith, it'll happen. It's not really that because we rely still on the sovereignty of God, knowing that he knows everything that we need. He knows the situation just like your parents knew when you did something or you wanted something. And you're like, why can't I have that? Because I said so. 
I hated those words when I was a kid. And I still hate those words. I don't think dad ever says that to me anymore. He'll usually explain. But the one thing that I see in my life as I begin to just always try to get closer to the Lord is, God, why am I going through this? God, why are other people going through this? And he's like, you don't know the whole story yet. And the thing that I see in God is I can't rely on just what I've seen. You see, what happened was when they got to the tomb, they looked in, number one, the stones rolled away. This isn't like a small rock. This thing's huge, okay? They've rolled it in front, and they're like, there's no way this guy, Jesus, is getting out. And I want to uh, make a little note here, too. It was women that went to the tomb. They didn't push that thing out of the way. No offense, women. Okay, the disciples were scared in hiding. We see that in Scripture. And it's the women. They're going, they're doing this burial preparation. They're bringing their nice spices and smell good stuff out. But they get there and they go just by what they see. And I want to I ask you a question. If you think about, how many of you, uh, in, when you watch a movie, I think about this often. I like to let it play out in my head. And if you're that person that sits beside me and you're like, what's happening next? Do you think he's the bad guy? Do you think this part? I can't stand that. I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't know yet. I don't know. What's, I haven't seen this yet. Have you? That's the worst. You sit with somebody who, wait, 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 here comes the good part. Like, or they're like, wait, don't, don't get too attached to him. He ends up dying. Although, thanks. But what is crazy is we read Scripture that way. How in the world, why was Mary not thinking he wouldn't be there? Okay? This is, and I want to break this down too. Sorry if this is elementary to you. If, if it is, just you, you let it be something you're just going back over. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are our firsthand accounts. They're the Gospels. They're telling the story of when Jesus came on the scene and he's walking, okay? So imagine that we have Luke come in, okay? Luke, that was the writer of this book. Uh, he was a, a physician or a doctor, ends up following Jesus. So I want you to imagine he's in here telling this story today, okay? Because that's what this book is. And I want this to be an apologetical type thing. That's just let it soak in that when people ask you, why do you believe the Bible? These are firsthand accounts. What more do you want? We don't treat it like that, though. This is Luke. This is a guy who wrote the book like if Stephen was there we're reading Stephen chapter 20 today. And Stephen's saying, listen, so Mary, they go to the tomb. The, the rocks rolled away. She looks in, and she's surprised. And we're like, yeah, I mean, why would she be surprised? Jesus said he would do it. It still hadn't clicked in their head that he was the Messiah. That he, that, so they saw him die this death. They saw him go through all of this. And then they get to this point, And she, it says that they put their heads down. They're like, man, who's taking him? You're like, Jake, what does that have to do with anything? That is your life. That is my life. Because you're looking in dead places trying to get life. 
You're looking for dead things to only give you what God can give you. You're like, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like I'm, I don't have any joy? And that's it, man. This is one of those cheesy Christianese Christian things. But you're looking more at Facebook than you are God's book. Listen, you're not going to find hope and joy in the cesspool that Facebook stuff is. But you're like, every morning, man, don't raise your hands because I don't want to know. You're laying in bed, your alarm clock goes off, better check Facebook. Don't, don't act like some of y'all don't do that. That temptation is there. Let me scroll Instagram. I look better than they do. I got that same shirt. I got, why do they, they can't afford to go there. They can't afford that new truck. And before you know it, your day's ruined before your feet hit the ground. That's real. And you're like, why can't these people just, the, the, Mary, why didn't she know that Jesus was going to be risen from the dead? Because it didn't click like scripture doesn't click for you. When God keeps telling you, quit trying to drink from that well of the world and drink from the living water that I have for you. Listen, we've all been there. There's certain people that I can't be, I don't say I can't be around them. I'll be around them, but I'll leave and I'm like, man, they're negative. I don't want that. Y'all know what I mean? But what are they drinking from? What is that well? Because when I get scripture inside of me, and I start living from that well, and I open my eyes, and I, my feet hit the ground. I'm like, God, I'm thankful. It's early, but man, I'm thankful. Thankful I got my great wife, my, my daughters in the next room sleeping. I got a warm house. I can go take a shower. I don't really care about what everybody else is doing. What are you doing today, God? You see, our, we have to shift what scene that we're in. Because she was only going off of what she could see. And what happens so often in our life is we get stuck in a scene. If you ever watch a series or you watch a movie, imagine it just being stopped right there and you can't see out of it. I don't know what happens. I don't know if they fall in love. I don't know if this happens and it's happily ever after like we want it to. Things don't always turn out like we want them to. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through. There's stories in this room that break my heart because I know things that you're walking through. And I wish I could tell you I knew, but the only thing that I can give you comfort in is that there is a God in heaven that loves you. And he knows the whole story because there's things that I've walked through that I look back now and I'm like, God, now I know. Now I know why you made me go through that. I didn't know in the storm. I didn't know when I was down on my knees and thought you couldn't hear me. But he can. And I can't go off just what I see. Because I will get locked in a scene and I can't get out of it. But that's where the enemy wants to keep you. He wants to keep you in that negative mindset and that cheap dopamine high that you get when someone likes your, your photos or someone likes your post or things like that on social media. It's a dopamine that clicks in the brain and God put it there for good, but the enemy is using it for bad. What God wants to use it for is, if you don't know yet, God created you to be a servant. 
Because when you begin to serve, there's something that clicks inside of you. I don't serve for someone to pat me on the back. I don't. I serve for the love that I feel that God gives me. And that simpleness, that's what clicks that dopamine in me. I don't want another dollar. I don't want another post that that gets a thousand likes. I don't want that. I just want him. Because so often what happens is we get stuck in a scene of life and we search for things to fill us in dead places. And what happens is then it becomes generational. And you guys know I have such a heart for young people. But I have a heart for you too, all of you parents, you older ones. You're not too old to pour into the next generation. But the one thing that you have to know is that God brought you out of something so you could help somebody else out. If you think about a simple analogy, if I'm driving by and I've got a chain in my truck and someone's stuck in the mud and I'm like, why would I not stop to help them? Because what happens, and this is, is, and I I do not like this, with this younger generation, they just, they'll never get it. A bunch of lazies. Who taught them? You. They learn lazy from you. We've got to pour into them. Because I believe there's something special. Because I grew up in a generation that if someone tells you, you believe it. You're just like, okay, whatever. You see it on TV, believe it. And what's funny is like they were like, don't believe everything you see on TV sometimes, but y'all believe everything on TV. But I want you to think about this, is that as times have changed, this generation wants truth. Have you seen that? Like, God, I, I want truth in everything. And that's how I was with Dad. And Dad's like, I, I, because I said so. That ain't going to work, Dad, really. Why? And he would, there would be times he would get down on my level. He'd sit down and he'd say, son, I can't tell you right now. Someday I'll tell you. Later in life, he would tell me. And there's things that you have to understand right now. And you have to teach this next generation, quit looking for life in dead places. And you and myself have to quit looking and trying to get fulfillment in every other thing but God. I don't, I don't know where that came into play, but if we could go back, I wish Luke, the gospel writer here, could be here because I feel like he would speak with such passion. But we read scripture like it's dead. That's just old. Dude, this is like a movie. He came, he's telling this. Man, she went there. He wasn't there. And these angels are standing there and say this. And then what happens next is awesome. So, so, and they remembered his words. So can you imagine then it clicked? They're like, he told us. He told us he was going to rise. And he did. Where is he? And so if you could turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And if you read scripture, it's funny, the things that you pick up on. And one of the things about John 
is John always refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So it's funny if I was talking about mine and Stephen's relationship, and I'd be like, yeah, you know, it's me and Stephen. I'm Stephen's friend, the one he loves. That's funny. All right. So John chapter 20 and verse 1 says, Now the first day of the week, Mary went to the tomb. Okay. Uh, Go to verse 2. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter, the other disciple whom Jesus loved. That's John. He's like, I want you guys to know that's me. And said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Let's skip on down, if you will, to uh, verse 14. So now when she had uh, said this, she turned around and saw Jesus. So they go, they're like running. Mary runs back to the tomb. If you look at verse 11, it says, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And so she's like, man, at this point, this is John telling this. So sorry if it sounds a little confusing. This is John telling it. So they've come back. And then verse 14 says, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And I want you to think about this. Because we get so stuck in a scene of life, only by what we see. And I believe she's got her head down. She's crying. And Jesus says her name, Mary. It's like, listen, you're just the gardener. Would you please just tell me where he's at? And the thing that this is important is because in your life, Jesus will show up. And if you're not actively looking for him, you will miss him. He comes on the scene and Jesus is standing there and Mary's so worried about her own circumstances, she doesn't see him. I've been there. I will throw a self-pity party and then God's like, dude, I'm right here. Just let me bask in my self-pity. He's like, I've got a way out if you'll just listen. And this is what God is trying to tell you today. I am right there in the storm with you. I'm right there beside you. And I want you to see that I'm in that with you. I haven't left you. And he's calling your name right now. He's like, Jake, listen, I'm right here. I've got exactly what you need. Would you just come to me? If you would turn to uh, verse 19, John 20, verse 19. I know I got quite a bit of scripture just moving around. So this is the uh, disciples. They have been in hiding. Some of them. Verse 19 says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. 
As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is my favorite part. Verse 24. Everybody's heard of Doubting Thomas. But I think he should, we should give him a name change or something. Because he's like what we would all be. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them. When Jesus came, the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. Okay, so I want you to think about this. Thomas is the most real out of all the disciples. He's real. Because listen, they're like, dude, Thomas, we've seen Jesus. And Thomas saw him die this death, go into the tomb, or knows that he's there, okay? And then he gets to this point, he's like, you are crazy. You've lost your minds. Y'all need to get some sleep, go get something to eat, whatever. And Thomas said, he said, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, and the doors being shut, and he said uh, in the midst, peace to you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, you have seen me and you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is awesome because this is where we get. You know, Thomas, he says to him, he's like, listen, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. I'm not going to believe until I see him. I I feel like I would be that guy. You're crazy. After eight days, and I think eight is important. I'm not going to go off any significance of just it being eight. It was a period of time. Jesus didn't come right back and say, hey, I'm right here, Thomas. It took time. I don't know why he chose eight days. But at eight days, then he shows back up when they're all there together. God won't always show up in the scene that you're in immediately. Sometimes we have to stay in the storm for a long period of time for a reason. And I don't know what you're going through, but all I can say is keep holding on to faith that he's going to show up. Keep holding on. And those of you that are waiting for a healing, those of you that are waiting for God to heal somebody else or a prodigal to come home, keep holding on. And if it's healing, I know that if I don't get healed on this side, I'll be healed there. We have to hold on to that type of faith. I don't know why God chooses to heal some people and not others. Larry and I spoke a little bit about this the other day. We may never know until we get there. But God's got a reason. And that reason is his. And we don't know what it is, but we have to cling on to that same hope. And if you're taking notes, the next point is point number two, flip the script. And I look up this kind of playing off the same words here, but to flip the script simply means to change one's story. Jesus surely flipped the script. And the one thing that we can see about Jesus' life was it was such a marker in time. I think that it's no coincidence that we actually count time by 
B.C., before Christ, and then A.D., which in the year of our Lord. But so often what happens is doubt begins to creep into our minds. Well, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Is this all real? And if we're honest, it's okay to have those thoughts come through your head. That's the enemy trying. And there's one thing in one of Rick Clendendon's uh, books, he, he had this quote, and he said, Doubt is what creeps into the mind. Unbelief is what creeps into the heart. And there's a difference there because doubt can stay in the mind, but unbelief is what goes into the heart. And so you're thinking you're there and you're like, man, why do I have these doubts? And why do my kids have doubts? Why, do, why does it not seem real to my coworkers, but it does to me or to my family, but it does to me? And the one thing that we have to look at is the historical accuracy of the Bible. It is amazing. It really is just down to the T, and, and the scholars will tell you that, that everything lines up almost perfectly, and it's amazing. But the one thing that I cling to is the flip of the script in the disciples. So most of the disciples that scholars, biblical scholars would say ended up dying martyrs' deaths, and being a martyr is simply dying for your faith, or it, it, coming down to that, that you either live or die based on what you say about your faith. Do you believe or not believe? And I want you to think about this, and this helps me, and this goes to that apologetical side of really helping give a defense to those around you, and maybe even to you today, that you're like, I don't know if I believe. These disciples went from being scared in a room together to seeing Jesus and dying martyrs' deaths. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King.